Paranormal Radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Well, Happy New Year, neighbors. Our first show for 2011. The co-host is Chris O'Brien to bring things together for me. And a little bit later on, we'll be introducing our special guest, who is, believe it or not, a real scientist, a plasma physicist. Wow. You know, this is not one of these woulda, coulda, shoulda been a scientist. This guy is a real thing. We'll get into that a little bit later. What's interesting to me is that looking over the UFO and paranormal fields for 2010, and Chris, feel free to correct me if you think I'm wrong. I don't see all that much progress. I mean, the book from Leslie Kane on UFOs, for a while, you know, it made it as a New York Times bestseller, displaced some of those conservative political books and got in there. And she even got on Fox News, you know, the bastion of conservative talk. And the book did well, got very positive reaction, but it doesn't seem to have made a long-range impact. Am I wrong? No, I think you're. I think you're. You're right. I think it did break through that that ceiling uh, in terms of mainstream media, but in terms of mainstream ufology, uh, there was very little new information in there. She basically laid out some pretty well-known cases, but 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 did a very good job of putting them together all in one place and. And I think that it's important that a book like that, first of all, came out in hard hardcover, and second of all, was uh, at least did get some some notice by the mainstream media. Of course, you know, with everything in this field, it's three steps forward, two steps back. I think we're making progress with books like Leslie's. In but again, it's you know, it's like salmon struggling up up river to spawn. We're uh, we're still we're still struggling to to get the word out, to turn people's heads around out in the mainstream and to get people really mobilized to, uh, you know, create a, a groundswell of interest in the scientific uh, community and among the mainstream. That's always been the problem. That's what Major Kehoe, Major Donald Kehoe in the 1950s was trying to do the very same thing. And it was in fits and starts. Maybe I think he made progress. There was a lot of attention about UFOs. But then, of course, it reached a fever pitch in the 60s. They had the Condon Report. It died in the 70s. It came back again. You had the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind and E.T., and then it kind of disappeared again. And it always comes in cycles, and you wonder if you're ever going to get to the top of the mountain. Yeah, well, like I said, three steps forward, two steps back. Um, I think tonight's guest, uh, Dr. Brandenburg, will is, I think, a good example of an open-minded scientist who's willing to look at things um, with more of an open mind, is not as uh, in a place of fear about addressing certain subjects. And uh, I think we're going to have a really very uh, enlightening and and engaging conversation with uh, with a true uh, with a true you know space scientist. This is going to be fun. Well, and this is interesting. The book's title is "Life and Death on Mars: The New Mars Synthesis." And what's interesting to me is how Mars has played such a role in the UFO field. I mean, if you yeah. go back to the '50s and Major Kehoe, he was speculating in his books that maybe UFOs came from Mars. This was at a time that we thought maybe there could be, it could be inhabited by intelligent beings. We're not talking about microbes. We're not talking about arsenic-based microbes. Talking about intelligent beings, you were thinking of Edgar Rice Burroughs and Barsoom and John Carter of Mars. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, there is a movie they're making 
of John Carter of Mars is going to be out, what, this year, the next year, or something like that. So it kind of brings it all home. But what is interesting to me for having a scientist like Dr. Brandenburg on the show is to also not just explore his theories about the history of Mars and what might have happened, but also ask him about some of those Mars legends that we talk about from time to time. Well, yeah, the whole Sidonia controversy that erupted back in uh, 76 uh, and continued through uh, the last 20 years we've uh, 25 years we've we've seen uh, quite a bit of um, of people addressing the whole uh, planes of Sidonia Richard Hoagland Mac Tones and others I think this is going to be a really good opportunity for uh, the Paracast audience out there to bounce uh, some of these scenarios and and uh, questions off somebody who really does know what they're talking about he's a plasma physicist he's been in the aerospace industry for for decades and um, he's just a perfect guest for us to ask these martian based questions of and because he is a real scientist and not just a speculator or would be or a wannabe you know don't expect his answers are going to be what you want to hear oh You know, it might happen. I don't know. One can only hope. (laughs) You know, I don't know what he's going to say. He may think that, you know, we're just a couple of laymen who don't know anything about anything, and he's going to correct us real fast. Well, I don't mind that. I, I, geez, I'm I'm the last person to think that I know uh, I know everything. I'm always open for expertise to, uh, you know, help form my thinking and help correct my thinking. So... I'm looking forward to asking some uh, some probing questions and getting some real, you know, up-to-speed answers. Reminds me of back in Brooklyn, New York, back in the 50s and 60s. The mailman was the kind of guy that you don't have anymore. He would know all the neighbors. He'd know all the people who lived in an apartment. And he'd look at me and says, you're going to be a professor. And I said, no, I'm not. You know, I wanted to be a radio broadcaster. From the time I was a teenager, I wanted to be a radio broadcaster. Not that so I not, didn't want to be But educated. I get to call you professor now, huh? Professor. Well, no, you call me a professor of ignorance. That's the best <laughs> I can do, folks. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know anything. I profess ignorance. <laughs> That's right. The problem is here in the UFO field, we have people who sometimes think they're being profound, think that they have the answers and they don't know that they're professing ignorance. At least I know. I admit it up front. Oh, yeah. I say, hey, folks, I don't know all the answers. We here at the Paracast are not preaching to you, okay? We may have guests who do that, but I'm not preaching. I know Chris isn't preaching, Nick Redfern, not Greg Bishop. You know, the predecessors who came here on the Paracast, and remember, in February, it'll be five years since this show began. And none of us, none of us, thank you, sir, none of us, None of us have ever said we know the answers. Yeah, that's true. And if we ever do say that, turn the radio off. (laughs) Yeah, if we say, hey, we got the clue, man. We know what's going on. We know what it's all about. We know it's a time for us to get off the stage because we've jumped the shark. (laughs) Yeah, or if we start prophesizing. (laughs) Well, I'll prophesize about Apple Computer, you know. Apple Incorporated, I'll suggest, hey, folks, I think I know what Apple is up to. I think I know what kind of products they're going to have. And I'll speculate about that. You know, I'll do that. But it's going to be kind of educated speculation because I've been writing about the subject for over 20 years. So maybe I know a little bit. 
you know, a modicum, not enough to run a multinational corporation that makes, what, 60 or $70 billion a year, has a stock price of $325 a share. I don't claim to do that. You know, let Steve Jobs do that. But, <laughs> but what's nice about being a commentator is I could say something and I don't have to be accountable. Hey, it's well, just it's, an opinion. You, you, it's an informed opinion, though, as you're pointing out. As I said, I am a professor of ignorance. <laughs> I got to remember that one. You I like, like that, that, huh? I, I, I stole, do. I do. That's that's clever. Very clever, Gene. Actually, I stole that from Long John Ebel. Okay. Long John well, Ebel was honest. the original. He, no, I don't pretend to be original. You know, I think that's one of the things that people like to think, you know, hey, this guy is pretending to be original and he has all the answers. No, you know, I mean, we all are influenced by people. Over the years, I've listened to talk show hosts. I don't listen today to paranormal radio shows, not because I don't appreciate what these people are doing. I think some are really dedicated and some are really nice people. It's because I don't want what I do on the air to be tampered with, influenced, altered, whatever, that kind of thing. I don't listen to uh, talk radio, especially in the realm of the paranormal, uh, very rarely because I break out in this weird rash and I, I don't have the right calamine lotion or something to uh, eradicate it. They've got this one which is colorless. It doesn't put out that pink tinge on your skin. We'll talk about that. Dr. John Brandenburg joining us next on the Paracast. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien, and you are definitely in The Paracast. Are you ready to order the official Paracast t-shirt? You asked, we answered. We're now taking orders for the official Paracast t-shirt. It comes in white, 100% cotton. The front of it features the same logo that we have on our community forums. On the back it says, separating signal from noise. To order the official Paracast t-shirt, here's all you have to do. Visit our new online store at store.theparacast.com. One more time, that's store.theparacast.com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t-shirt. Hey, neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store store.theparacast.com. When making important financial decisions, you should always know the facts. That's why Midas Resources is willing to pay you to read the facts. Midas Resources, a team of hand-picked financial specialists with decades of financial experience who are ready to provide you with state-of-the-art, up-to-date financial services. Midas Resources offers a host of services and stands behind their products. In fact, if you call and order their free Midas report, Midas Resources will pay you. This detailed report will provide you with financial history on the safest and most profitable areas to invest in. If you read the report, Midas Resources will send you a free Walking Liberty Silver Half Dollar. So what are you waiting for? Get the facts and call Midas Resources toll-free at 888-292-2709. That's 888-292-2709. And remember, if you read the Midas report, you'll receive a free Walking Liberty Silver Half Dollar.
Becoming a modern smoker is now easier and more cost-effective, thanks to LeSig. Traditional smokers the world over love LeSig. E-cigarettes with a look, feel, and taste of real cigarettes, but without the nasty smoke, ashes, or stains. LeSig is powered by revolutionary microelectronic technology. A small, rechargeable battery and unique replaceable cartridge provide all the satisfaction and benefits of smoking without the smoke and all the hazards. See the large variety of LeSig e-cigarette supplies and accessories at LeSig.com. That's L-E-C-I-G.com. LeSig is competitively priced, comes with the best customer service, a 30-day warranty, and satisfaction guaranteed. What a great gift idea. For a 10% discount, mention GCN when you call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Ask for fast, free, same-day shipping. Order online at LeSig.com and use promo code GCN at checkout. That's L-E-C-I-G.com. LeSig for today's modern smoker. Question, what would you rather drink, acidic water which burns holes in your body and causes loss of bone mass, or alkaline water which promotes high energy and vibrant health? The answer is clear. And if you're drinking acidic water, you're helping cancer cells and bacteria to grow out of control. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals. Using Plasma pH Drops is the best way to alkalize your water and help you get rid of acid and regain your health and energy. Simply put 10 drops in the water you drink to the pH to a healthy alkaline level. Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. Disease organisms like bacteria, viruses, or cancer cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops now by going directly to AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or by calling 269-409-1776. Again, 269-409-1776. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com Get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com On the Paracast, the first episode for 2011, ahead of 2012, where I don't think anything strange will happen, but that's another subject and another topic and another show. (laughs) I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in the Paracast, and that Pleasant Laughter is from Dr. John Brandenburg. He says we can call him John. Yes. He's a very friendly guy, and he's a real scientist. I mean, he's a plasma physicist, okay? That's right. And before we ask about anything else, and we hear about all these kinds of physicists out there, what, pray tell, is a plasma physicist? What does that mean? Uh, Well, plasma is the fourth state of matter. It's uh, the aurora, the lightning bolt, the sun, all the stars are made of plasma. It's, uh, it's a gas that is so hot that the electrons uh, come off the atoms and they form a, it's a gas of plus and minus charges. So it conducts electricity, it glows, and it's 99% of the matter in the universe. So I, I guess by being a plasma physicist, I take that as a license to study the entire universe. Oh, wow, yeah. How did you get involved in that? Did you grow up and say, I want to be a scientist, I want to be a physicist? Did you get uh, kind yes, of dragged into it or what? <laughs> yeah, I did. 
Uh, I was fascinated with electricity and magnetism when I was a child, and uh, anything electrical, I would try and take it apart from two years old. It was my my uncle was a nuclear physicist who worked on the Manhattan Project, so he was my inspiration, and uh, he was just a wonderful human being and uh, very much encouraged me. But I went into plasma physics because I wanted to uh, solve the energy crisis back in the 70s. So we were working on uh, nuclear, controlled nuclear fusion, uh, trapping, uh, trying to cre- create the center of a star on Earth using uh, a woven magnetic bottle to hold the plasma, like a tokamak. You've heard of those as big donut-shaped machines. Uh, I worked on things like that. Whatever happened to nuclear power, it kind of died. Anyway, with these nuclear accidents, did that kill the industry? You said it's poised for a comeback. Is that going to really happen? I believe so because uh, we, I do believe that glo- the pumping all the carbon dioxide into the atmosphere is, is uh, not good for the planet. I think we're throwing the planet out of balance, and uh, that means that we have to find a power source that doesn't produce carbon dioxide. And, uh, and uh, nuclear power is an obvious, obvious one that works. Um, it's a um, it's been around for a long time, and uh, countries like France and Japan get 80% of their power now from nuclear power. You don't hear any accidents over there. Uh, they run their their systems uh, much better than than like Three Mile Island was run was by a private company that was rushing its uh, plant online for tax purposes. And uh, even Ralph Nader had warned them that this particular plant was very problem-prone. And um, in the end, they did um, almost everything possible to destroy the plant, and it still didn't succeed. I mean, the core melted, but um, there was no uh, there was no breach of containment. Uh, we didn't have loads of people running around at night glowing in the dark. <laughs> well. Uh, you know, you have your choice of disasters. Uh, if we, if global warming, uh, becomes a reality, obviously this winter, it doesn't look like a great danger, but if we start getting uh, very bad hurricane seasons and droughts and everything like that, then, uh, people will wonder why didn't we do something earlier? Unfortunately, if we wait till we start seeing signs of global warming, uh, then it'd probably be too late. Also, with nuclear plants, it doesn't. It's not something you can just build in a year or two. It takes a number of years to really assemble those things, right? Uh, yes, but they've been doing it a long time. And like I said, you know, the French, French, and the Japanese seem to have no trouble at all running eighty percent of their power grid off of nuclear power plants. I mean, it's uh, it can't be that hard if the French and the Japanese are doing it. Well, that's true, depending uh, on what they, your viewpoint about the French and Japanese is, of course. <laughs> of course, the way France and Japan are run, if they had a problem, you probably wouldn't hear about it in the newspaper. There is the that. way those countries are run. No. Uh, unless a, a, but you, you haven't had any Chernobyls or Three Mile Island. Well, at least they, they have proper containment buildings, not like Chernobyl, which was just an absolute uh, yeah, accident. Chernobyl was just an airplane hangar with a... <laughs> Yeah. nuclear reactor inside it a very bad a very badly designed nuclear reactor uh it was basically designed to produce plutonium as well as power and uh 
So it's a, um, uh, however, we're going to have a new form of nuclear power coming online in the next couple of years. Uh, it's called hybrid fission fusion. Really? And uh, it, uh, yeah, we're going to start using fusion uh, reactors as cores for a, it'll be basically a tokamak, a small tokamak that produces a lot of neutrons, and that will be used to irradiate a thorium or uranium shell to produce power, and it'll be much cleaner, much safer than uh, to, uh, to to run. And uh, so it's like a hybrid. I'll be talking hybrid about system. that. What the, the, yeah, it's called hybrid uh, hybrid uh, nuclear power. It's fusion fission hybrid, and uh, uh, it's kind of been it's. The idea has been around for a long time. Now that we've got fusion um, reactions running pretty well, uh, we can actually build. It's it's very easy to build a hybrid now. We have all the technology we need. Let's segue but, from nuclear power plants to Mars yeah. now, because to it, Mars to Mars and beyond. Now, as you say, because you cover ninety nine percent of the universe, you're allowed to cover Mars. So uh, yes, is, I am. Mars is too important to be left to Mars scientists, as it turns out. Uh, Good answer. The Mars science community is extremely conservative, and it's also apparently kind of tightly controlled because it's all funded by the government. And um, the government uh, doesn't want certain lines of their inquiry to be pursued. They just aren't pursued. So um, the place is ripe for a revolution, um, I was the first person to actually propose a uh, ocean on Mars at a scientific conference, and uh, it was well received. Uh, and the reason I could do that is because I wasn't a member of the Mars community, and so they couldn't—they couldn't intimidate me. They couldn't deny me grants. They couldn't take, you know, or deny me tenure at the university. So I just got up in front of these uh, this big audience and uh, showed a big map with a big Mars ocean on it. And everyone went oot and awed. And um, they asked me some friendly questions. And then after that, it was okay to talk about a Mars ocean. I'll tell you what, we'll get into more on Mars oceans and a lot of other things, including maybe the history of Mars. What th- might have happened there long, right. long ago in a galaxy not so far away? We have Dr. John Brandenburg. Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack 
of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Pure water. What could be better than the gift of health for your loved ones? And who better to help you give the gift this holiday season than BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com? If those on your gift list are drinking or bathing in unfiltered city or well water, chances are that water is contaminated with rust, bacteria, chlorine, and fluoride. For just pennies a day, Berkey Water Filters remove dangerous contaminants from both well and city water, is powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water, and is great for camping in emergencies. Right now, GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems and free shipping on orders over $50. Purchase any filter system from BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com to get your choice of Berkey Sport bottles, a KDF shower filter, a set of fluoride filters, or the new Sight Glass Spigot absolutely free. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY today. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. Give the gift of health at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com today. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget... CrossbreedHolsters.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Forget everything you've been told about long-term food storage. When all hell breaks loose, you'll need the single most effective way to get high-powered Delta Force nutrients to your family fast. Like any Special Forces Commando, you need a plan. You need a Black Hawk Down food plan. Introducing the Survival Sprout Bank from Solutions from Science. It's your countertop survival garden. Yes, grow fresh greens right on your countertop in just a few short days. Sprouts are the green shoots that emerge from newly germinated seeds, and they are powerhouses of living, easily absorbed nutrients. The Survival Sprout Bank is a complete kit with nothing else to buy. And with sprouts so easy to grow, even children can grow emergency food. Call 877-327-0365 or go to survivalsproutbank.com. That's 877-327-0365 or order online at survivalsproutbank.com. Survival Sprout Bank, your Black Hawk Down emergency food plan. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? Progressively, every week, Chris O'Brien's voice gets deeper and deeper. <laughs> is it all those cigarettes, Chris? Oh, I, I cut way down on those, Gene. Oh, that's good. You and President Obama. Yeah. I've, I've got an e-cigarette now. I charge it up with my... Uh, yeah, I charge it up with a, uh, with a USB connector that I plug into my computer. Oh, I, I can't handle this. <laughs> We're talking to Dr. John Brandenburg. 
And he has a new book coming out in February, which is called The New Mars Synthesis. And we're talking about how he got his interest in Mars. As you say, being a plasma physicist, you can write about or study 99% of the universe. Because you're not strictly an astronomer, you can get away with things that maybe other people can't. So let's talk about the ocean on Mars. What are we talking about? Maybe transplanting the Atlantic Ocean there or what? Uh, it was um, it covered about a quarter of the planet, and it's on. If you look at maps of Mars, you'll notice there's a big, smooth area with very little craters on it, uh, wrapped around the northern uh, quarter of the planet, and apparently that's where the ocean was. It's the deepest part of Mars. You know, it's the lowest elevation, and the um, Turns out the landscape changes dramatically all the way around the planet at a common elevation line, uh, which just happens to be what's called the zero kilometer line on Mars. Uh, they set that arbitrarily because uh, the atmospheric pressure reached a certain point. And so they just called it the uh, zero kilometer line. And it turns out it's where the, it also coinc- coincides with a place where the uh, landscape changes dramatically from being rugged with a lot of craters to suddenly smooth with no craters as if an ocean had been sitting there and erased all the craters, turned everything to mud. Sounds like a shoreline. It is shoreline. It's, and it's, it's easy to see. I mean, it was, it was sort of like walking up to a blackboard where there's an equation written that says two plus two equals. And you just wrote in four and everyone was shocked (laughs) (laughs) because there's this, because if you people are very sensitive about Mars having biology on it, so if you put an ocean on Mars, that automatically means biology. When you have liquid water, uh, especially a large body of liquid water on a planet, that means the atmospheric and temperature conditions have to be very similar to Earth. It basically defines an Earth-like environment. And the other thing about this ocean on Mars is this ocean lasted most of Mars history. It's not on the old part of Mars, which is the south, which is heavily cratered highlands. It's on the north part of Mars with hardly any craters. And um, this means this planet uh, had an ocean for most of its geologic history. And it also means that it probably had um, things swimming in that ocean for most of its geologic history. Okay, you raised the question. What kind yes. of things were swimming there? Intelligent things or what? Well, um, I would... Four billion years of Earth-like conditions means that you could have had not just biology but evolution on Mars. So there's really no limit you can place on the development that Mars... It, it could have ebbed and flowed numerous times. Absolutely. Mars is close to the asteroid belt, so it's going to get a lot more big impacts than happened to Earth. We have several uh, periods on Earth where almost everything that was alive died. The Great Permian extinction and then, of course, the the, uh, Chicxulub event that wiped out the dinosaurs was believed to be uh, an asteroid impact. The Permian extinction also was supposed to be an asteroid impact. Mars probably hap- that happened more often. So you probably had um, a very interesting biological history with probably a lot of uh, mass extinctions. And apparently one final 
mass extinction that turned Mars into what it is today instead of what it used to be, which was a rather Earth-like looking planet. Do we have a no. sense of how long ago in history this might have happened? Uh, yes, it, it will be approximately half a billion years ago was uh, where a very large impact happened on Mars. They created what's called the Leo Impact Basin. It's in the north of Mars. It's right on the ocean shoreline. And if you have an ocean on Mars, uh, then that can act as a big gas reservoir and a big thermal reservoir. So if there's, it's hard to have a sudden ice age if you have a big warm ocean. Uh, but if you have a large enough impact, uh, the ocean will freeze over and uh, you will have a climatic catastrophe. Carl Sagan, ironically, was the first person to figure out that if you had a large greenhouse, a CO2 greenhouse on Mars like there is on Venus, that because of Mars conditions, that if you get a big chilling event on Mars, that whole atmosphere can collapse into dry ice on the poles. Uh, in other words, there's a, a situation on Mars where if you have a lot of carbon dioxide, you can either have a warm, dense atmosphere that traps a lot of heat and has high atmospheric pressure like the Earth, uh, probably also with oxygen, nitrogen. It, it would yeah, be low, low, uh, uh, yeah, low, would low be, pH. The ocean would be a carbonic acid ocean. It would be like soda water. But uh, But the problem with that is that even with an ocean full of soda water as a gas reservoir, if something uh, like a large asteroid impact happens, then the temperatures drop all the way around the planet, and at the poles, they drop below the temperature where dry ice will form, and the entire atmosphere can just crystallize out in one giant snowstorm. So basically, the, the place itself. is not stable enough to support advanced civilization it just basically well, turns um, over too often. If you have too much climatic uh, disruption, you don't have a chance probably for any advanced life to form. Um, it's a, however, it appears that Mars had a pretty stable climate despite these effects for long periods, billions of years. And... Um, until this one final catastrophe happened. And what's interesting is that Carl Sagan was actually the person to find this out. Uh, many times in this investigation, I thought I'd found something new, and I'd look up and find that Carl Sagan had found it out first. So Carl Sagan was actually a superb scientist. You know, people tend to think of he was kind of just Mr. Billions and Billions, but he did a lot of very good work, particularly on the... Uh, permanent greenhouse on Venus. He was Mr. Greenhouse. He also found out that Mars is red due to um, highly oxidized iron and suggested that it had an oxygen atmosphere in the past, like Earth. If you look at pictures of Earth from space, pictures like of the Sahara Desert, it's bright red, where there's no clouds or vegetation or water. Uh, there are surfaces bright red, just like Mars, and red for the same reason, because of iron in the soil that's highly oxidized. And um, so Mars gives evidence that it had an oxygen atmosphere in the past, and uh, it had an ocean. Therefore, it's pretty fair to say it had lots of life on it. In fact, 
if you have an oxygen component in the atmosphere, the carbon dioxide, which forms carbonic acid, can't form limestone with the rocks. It's the oxygen actually stabilizes the situation chemically. So basically the issue here is that because Mars was not stable, it couldn't sustain any particular environment, atmospheric environment to allow for advanced life forms to live long and prosper and flourish. Well, they certainly aren't living long and prospering now. We'll have to talk (laughs) more about uh, that. And also I want to ask you about some of the legends of Mars that are so fascinating to everyone. The book, which is coming out in February, is called The New Mars Synthesis. And, of course, this is about the life and death of Mars. Dr. John Brandenburg is our guest. Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in The Paracast. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the Earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. All types of batteries for all types of gadgets. We'll say it again. All types of batteries for all types of gadgets. Electronics, toys, flashlights, computers, accessories, and more are at BatteryStation.com. Whatever type battery you need, alkaline, lithium, gel cell, NICAT, metal hydride, sealed lead acid, and more are at BatteryStation.com. Our homepage gives you quick access to ham, marine, police, fire, and aviation batteries. Plus, choose from our great selection of LED flashlights with no bulb to ever burn out and much longer battery life. Find many top brands, including Streamlight, Pelican, Surefire, Novatac, Gerber, and more at BatteryStation.com. You'll also find the most popular brands of ammunition and watertight cases for storing guns, food, electronics, survival gear, and more at BatteryStation.com. Call 417-257-7799. That's 417-257-7799. You will be surprised when you visit BatteryStation.com. In a coming-apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. Hi, this 
this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Men, take control of your prostate health without the risk of nasty side effects with Prostate Secure. Early detection, regular prostate exams, and PSA tests are a must for men over 40. Listen, if you have symptoms of an enlarged prostate but don't want to take a drug with possible nasty side effects, or if you're over 40, then use Prostate Secure, a natural dietary supplement for men. Prostate Secure is a scientifically formulated blend of clinically significant amounts of natural ingredients. It brings together the most powerful plant sterols like beta cytosterol and saw palmetto, along with antioxidants such as vitamin D3, resveratrol, and lycopene to support good prostate health, proper urinary flow, function, and more. Check out ProstateSecure.com. Order online and save 10% with promo code SAVE10 or call 1-800-239-9432. That's 800-239-9432. Or visit ProstateSecure.com. Take control of your prostate health naturally with Prostate Secure. On air, online, and on demand. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're in the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. We return to Mars, the Red Planet, with Dr. John Brandenburg. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in the Paracast. Chris, how about picking up on this? You know, I had a chance to uh, to get most of the way through the book um, because we, we kind of did uh, have you on the show sort of as, uh, last minute. I wasn't able to uh-huh. spend spend the amount of time on some of the, the denser portions of the book where you go into um, uh, some of the chemistry and, sure. and other other more scientific elements uh, in terms of, of the information I, in the book. I tried I, not I, to, to load up too much science scientific. Well, that's back. what I was going to say. I'm going to if I had had just an extra couple three hours, I would have been able, I think, to get a little bit more in depth in the book. I do recommend it highly uh, to our listeners out there. This is probably the most comprehensive look at the unfolding of human knowledge about Mars and scientific knowledge about yes. Mars. And there's some very fascinating sidebar uh, plot lines and 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 subplots in the book concerning. Um, you know, the space program and how we have slowly been peeling back the layers of the onion scientifically of the planet. And one of the things I'd like to uh, have you address is how the the discovery of the uh, Martian meteorites, uh, which are, are fairly, fairly rare uh, on this planet, yes. but how that whole scenario ties into uh, what we know about the planet and how some of the cataclysmic events on Mars could somehow uh, be tied into some cataclysmic events that have happened on the Earth? Uh, yes. Uh, well, we know that we have about a dozen meteorites that have been recovered on Earth that are actually from Mars, and it was kind of a Sherlock Holmes detective story to figure out that these these things were from Mars. The, one of the most famous ones is the only only meteorite known to have killed a living thing on Earth. They killed a dog in Egypt, and it was in this meteorite out of the millions of meteorites that come come to, from outer space, this one happened to be from Mars. 
<laughs> so it tells you Mars has bad karma right off the bat. But uh, Or the dog that got hit did. <laughs> yeah, he'd been barking at the moon the previous night or something like that. He was barking but, uh, up the wrong planet. <laughs> yes, it, I, I, I regard it as very humorous, this report that the dog got killed by a rock from Mars, especially um, because Mars meteorites are quite rare. However, Mars is next to the asteroid belt, so a big rock will hit Mars periodically and throw smaller rocks from Mars surface clear into orbit around the sun and eventually ending up on Earth. These rocks are giving us basically free samples of the Martian surface. And one of the amazing things about these rocks is they're almost all of them are quite young geologically. They're, um, they range from 1 billion to uh, 200 million years old for the most part. They've only found one that dates from the very ancient part of Mars, four and a half billion years old. So automatically, it looks like Mars is much younger, has a much younger surface than we originally thought. Uh, once again, I walked into a room and here was two plus two equals, and I wrote four again. I pointed out that this means Mars surface is young, and uh, several other people picked up on that. So. Um, it's a great opportunity for a uh, kind of bomb-throwing anarchist like me. <laughs> but right. at the same time, we've now uh, detected life signs in these meteorites. And it's not just in one meteorite. It's on a, almost all of them have signs that there was liquid water and biology in the uh, living in the rocks before they were tossed into space and arrived on Earth. So but then let me ask month. you a question, John. Why, sure. then, why then not speculate that some of that life became intelligent, became advanced? Maybe they left Mars when they knew these cataclysms were imminent and they didn't want to oh, have their civilization destroyed. Oh, you know, the old legends. Oh, that's a very good question. How, what level of evolution did life arrive at at Mars? As you know, I was involved in the Cydonia controversy, the face on Mars. Okay, and that's a good point. Why don't you tell our listeners about that? Obviously, we have heard what Richard Hoagland, who would like to be a doctor but is not, has said about this. And we have not had him on the show, and I think possibly because we don't want to have somebody to yell at. I understand. I consider Dick Hoagland to be a very smart guy. And I worked with him uh, and Vince DiPietro, uh, Greg Molinar, in the original independent Mars investigation. And we ended up presenting a paper at a scientific conference on what we'd found. And it caused quite a stir. And uh, that kind of made the Cydonia controversy. And uh, that's, if you look at Cydonia, a large, what looks like a large, archaeological monument. Next near to it is a large pyramid uh, shaped thing. And uh, so if you want to ask, if you want to ask what level did life achieve on Mars during this long period of Earth-like climate, then you look at Cydonia and maybe that's your answer. Yeah, but Cydonia was underwater, it, wasn't it? What's that? It was underwater. It was up in the northern part of the uh, of the planet. Uh, no, it would have been on the ocean shoreline. Okay, as it turns out. 
it would have been the Riviera of Mars, basically. It uh, was right on the ocean shoreline, uh, just above the zero kilometer line, as it turns out. And uh, it's that's still all very controversial. Um, I chose in the book not to really talk about Cydonia, except just to mention it, simply because uh, you could devote an entire book to that. What is well accepted in Mars science now is that there was an ocean, that ocean lasted a long time. Everything they're finding with the Mars rovers is supportive of that. The Mars meteorites um, have evidence of being exposed to groundwater, and it indicates there was weather on Mars, there was rainfall. So you had an entire weather cycle on Mars, and because the Mars rocks are fairly recent, um, this all was occurring fairly recent in geologic time, at least up to about half a billion years ago. Now, what happened on Mars, since we know from the Mars meteorites that things that impact on Mars cause can toss rocks clear from Mars to Earth, what happened when this LEO impact formed, impact basin formed, which we can date approximately about half a billion years ago, is Earth may have been showered with rocks from Mars that carried rather sophisticated Martian organisms here. And what happened on Earth at the same time as Mars may have been perishing was what's called the Precambrian explosion, where suddenly an enormous variety of strange life forms appeared on Earth, where before they'd just been pretty much uh, bacterial colonies that didn't do much. Suddenly there was this big blossoming of, um, of life forms some of them quite sophisticated, and it may have been an invasion from Mars. Now, you're the first person, to my knowledge, that's ever really made that connection. Has actually, anyone else ever? Uh, we, we, we actually, uh, yes, uh, we are the first people to have pointed this out. Uh, we actually pointed this out in uh, the book uh, Dead Mars, Dying Earth, which we published earlier, but we didn't emphasize it. Uh, it was actually picked up in the movie Mission to Mars, which had the big Mars face, and they actually showed that. And so we may be, in fact, owe a lot of our biological heritage to Mars. So we are the Martians. We are. That's well, what I've let been me put trying to way. tell everybody. <laughs> when we land on Mars, it'll be Martian life returning home. It's my belief. We're going Check to that out, Paracasters. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna go up and restore Mars to life uh, again. And well, of course, look at the movie. Remember that movie, Total Recall. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, we're we are. I um, I think there's a good scientific case that can be made that we are are at least part Martian in our genetic makeup. And uh, Earth was probably a fairly primitive place, while Mars was, Mars uh, being a smaller planet, it formed quicker, cooled off quicker, it was farther from the sun, uh, so it actually um, probably achieved more what we would call Earth-like conditions earlier. 
but was less stable, and that's something we'll want to go into in more detail. Right. As we proceed to the next portion of the show, we have sure. Dr. John Brandenburg. The book coming out in February is called Life and Death on Mars, The New Mars Synthesis. Fascinating. Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. On hour two of the Paracast, what a fast hour. It took almost 40 minutes. Dr. John Brandenburg joining us. We're talking about the mysteries of Mars and the mysteries of Earth. Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Chris, why don't you pick up on this and this discussion? Well, this is really fascinating to me because uh, if you look at some of the really good research um, that's been done, including yours, the first uh, quarter of the book goes in, mm-hmm. into quite a bit of detail on the role that the, the whole concept of Mars has played in human culture. Yeah. And that's a fascinating subject, just, just you know, as a standalone subject. But maybe there's something to that. We are not only genetically, perhaps, Martian, but our entire culture has been kind of drawn and fixated on the planet Mars from ancient times. And Mars was the driver of the scientific revolution because of its peculiar orbit that fascinated Kepler. He and even Copernicus was drawn to the heliocentric uh, model of the solar system by the orbit of Mars because, uh, for one thing, it's very difficult to ignore this big red star that appears and then disappears. Venus, the evening star, is very beautiful, but it pretty much stays close to the sun. It's either in the morning or in the evening. It never gets far from the sun and doesn't change its brightness that much. But Mars goes from being very dim, almost you know, disappearing for a while behind the sun to being brilliant uh, at sunset. It rises right at sunset when it's in opposition. And several wars have started um, when Mars is close to Earth, like World War I, for instance, and um, the Yom Kippur War in 1973 started when Mars was close to the Earth. Strange coincidences, or can we find some mystical connection? Oh, it's 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 very mundane, actually. A lot of these uh, people, especially dictators in the Middle East and uh, in Europe during the 
early 1900s, they consulted astrologers. And uh, if they felt like having a war and Mars was close to the Earth, their astrologers would, of course, egg them on, saying uh, Mars is favorable. Of course, Mars is is the god of war. uh, The god of war. So how did that legend begin, that Mars was the god of war? Apparently in ancient Egypt and Mesopotamia, simply because of its red color. One interesting difference is the um, uh, the Aztecs <laughs> kind of ignored Mars. They looked at Venus, which is the really bright one, and instead of being the goddess of love, it was the god of war <laughs> because it was bright. But uh, the Japanese, uh, one of the unter- other interesting things I picked up on in doing this research for this book is Japan kept turning up. Uh, Percival Lowell uh, was kind of trying to get out of an arranged marriage. So he went to Japan and he spent um, several years in Japan, wrote several books about it. And everywhere, of course, he went in Japan, there was this flag with a, a white field with a big red dot in it. And while in Japan, uh, in a very exotic um, yet very advanced civilization, he became intrigued with Mars. And most of the um, scientific progress of the last 100 years in terms of space travel was driven by the fact that Lowell was convinced there was a civilization on Mars, the canals. Uh, other people saw the canals, but he mapped them. He built the probably the best astro- uh, um, observatory on Earth for a while. Just right up the road from me. What's that? It's right up the road from me. I'm down in Camp Verde. It's right up on the hill. Oh yeah, Flagstaff. The, uh, exactly. The, yeah, and it was it was the best sighted and had a big big modern telescope. No one could argue with him when he said, "Oh, I see all these canals," and he mapped them. And um, this got H.G. Wells intrigued with the idea of a civilization on Mars. And uh, he H.G. Wells was an expert on human uh, human behavior. And he said, well, if the Martians are like us, they're going to invade us. So just like the British <laughs> Empire had. So he wrote War of the Worlds because of Lowell. And the person who read War of the Worlds was Robert Goddard. And Goddard became fascinated with the planet Mars. He wanted to build a spaceship to go to Mars. So he made the first high-performance rockets, liquid-fueled. They could... Uh, and uh, he started launching his rockets he, uh, in order to build uh, things that could go to Mars. And people started complaining because it was making a lot of noise. So he decided to move someplace where nothing ever happened. Uh, Guess so where? He, his... <laughs> he moved to Roswell, New Mexico <laughs> in 1930s. And everyone in this country was ignoring his work. But the German intelligence... Um, was was interested in rockets. They infiltrated his team of technicians, so they passed all of his design secrets to Werner von Braun. So Goddard actually helped design the V-2 missile, even though he didn't know it at the time. And the V-2 convinced all of the world powers, because no nuclear weapons, that if you had a, something like a V-2 and you had a nuclear warhead, you could you could conquer the world. And so all of these big rockets to for the Cold War were invented. And 
But instead of lobbing nuclear weapons in a big nuclear war, what we ended up doing was using those same rockets to go to Mars and investigate it. That's Unfortunately, our space program has become a big mess. It looks like very few of us on this show are going to be living when and if we go to Mars. So what happened to the space program? All this fascination with Mars and space travel, what went wrong? Well, there money. is a, it, it's money, uh, but also uh, the first probes to Mars saw a bunch of craters and people freaked out because they expected to see canals. Instead, they saw craters. It looked like uh, Mars was like the moon. And so they, instead of being convinced that Mars was a living planet, maybe with a civilization on it, they went completely, they overreacted. And they, the people who said, oh, Mars is like the moon, took over the space program. So they've been basically telling everybody that Mars is dead all these years. And in fact, one Mars scientist even told me that he said, he's, I said, you found signs of life in one, this one Mars rock. Why haven't you found any more? And he said, I'm afraid to find more because I was criticized so bitterly by these people for finding, you know, for saying I'd found life uh, signs in these Mars rocks. And I talked to uh, one of the Mars scientists who did the NASA study where they found uh, the Mars life signs in ALH-8401. And he said to me, he said, I can understand people criticizing our work. He said, what I don't understand is why they're so angry when they do it. People, you know, people basically, a lot of scientists formed a mob basically to go out and get these people. They did, they did not want to find life on Mars. And you'd think, what a wonderful thing would be for our space program if these life signs were further explored and proven, but there is a sentiment against it. And one of the reasons I wrote this book is to kind of shake up Mars science. The planet is right for a revolution. <laughs> There you go. Instead, our space program went on to build a Rolls Royce to deliver groceries, basically. Well, it built a space station. It's uh, it, there's a one one thing you have to realize: the space program is actually part of our national defense. It's in the Cold War. Deterrence was psychological. You had to basically, when every time we sent something to Mars or landed something on Mars. The Russians would note this. For one thing, we had done something they couldn't do. So it was leapfrogging, but we'll have to go into that in a moment. We'll go into yes. leapfrogging and the Americans and the Russians and all that. Absolutely. With Dr. John Brandenburg, the co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Hi. 
Hi, this is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. Fake Magazine provides true reports of the strange and unknown. Keep up with the latest on angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, life after death, and much, much more. To receive your free issue of Fate Magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. As many people know, ever since President Nixon took us off the gold standard, the U.S. dollar has been devaluating. What people don't know, however, is how this directly affects your personal finances. Is there a way to protect your portfolios from losing value? The answer to all of this is gold and silver. They both have maintained their purchasing power for 6,000 years. If you had $100,000 in cash and $100,000 in gold and silver back in 1913 and kept them until now, your cash would have the buying power of only $4,800. But your gold and silver would have the buying power of three million dollars the answer to protecting your assets is simple call john ballman today at 1-800-686-2237 extension 169 get all your questions answered before your money is worth zero call 1-800-686-2237 extension 169 take action today while we still accept paper dollars for gold that's 1-800-686-2237 extension 169 if you own a septic system or if you're facing costly septic system replacement, this message is for you. When you want to stop paying for pump outs and avoid backups, when you've had enough of the foul odors and costly repairs, use BioSafe One Septic Solution. Now there's an easy to use 100% guaranteed answer to all your septic system problems. BioSafe One Septic Solution. BioSafe One is patented and made specifically for all septic systems and made by the same team of scientists who help clean up the Exxon Valdez oil spill. BioSafe One decontaminates and removes sludge, stops costly pump-outs and repairs, and removes septic system stench, all with a 100% success rate. See what gives BioSafe One Septic Solution the advantage over any other septic product at BioSafeOne.com. That's B-I-O-S-A-F-E-O-N-E.com. BioSafeOne.com. Or call toll-free 1-866-424-6663. That's 1-866-424-6663. BioSafe One, the guaranteed, bio-friendly, money-saving way to clean your septic system. I'm concerned about food for my family in the event of an emergency, and I know you are too. Are you ready? Don't wait for an emergency to happen. Put a plan together now with quality dehydrated food from Ready Reserve Foods. For nearly 40 years, Ready Reserve Foods has been in continuous operation canning the finest in dehydrated foods. Other companies just broker canned foods. Ready Reserve is the manufacturer controlling quality from start to finish with double enameled cans and nitrogen packing for maximum shelf life. Ready Reserve offers a balanced selection of fruits, vegetables, dairy products, proteins, and grains. Choose from a variety of pre-selected units or order by individual can to customize your own plan. When you purchase from Ready Reserve Foods, you are buying factory direct at wholesale prices. Call today for a free catalog, 1-800-453-2202 or visit readyreservefoods.com. Call 1-800-453-2202. Ready Reserve Foods. Factory direct. Wholesale pricing. 
America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out on iTunes. We return with Dr. John Brandenburg. The book is coming out in February, but we have a preview of it right now. It's called Life and Death on Mars, the New Mars Synthesis. And I guess we're focusing here now a little bit on the way the Americans and Russians treat the space program. But really, it was mostly the Americans wanting to beat the Russians. That's why we went to the moon. Nothing else, right? That's right. We uh, Well, and even a lot of the great exploration of the classic era, um, you know, the Columbus finding the New World, uh, they were, the, the Europeans were trying to outflank the Turkish Empire. <laughs> so everything had a military component to it, as well as a, um, um, the idea of the spirit of adventure and looking for new trade routes. There was, there was a big military threat from the Turkish Empire at the time of Columbus that all of Europe was um, worried about. Uh, the Turks had tried to take Vienna three different times, and um, they, they ultimately failed, but only after uh, the Spanish had gotten rich off the New World and supplied uh, a, a lot of uh, troops to the defense of Europe against the Turks. So uh, just going to the moon, to not just to go to the moon, but also to impress the world that we're technologically superior to the Russians, that's kind of an old tradition in, in exploration. It's kind of a, uh, a scientific Olympics, if you like. Uh, in, in ancient Greece, they would have Olympics so everybody could show how brave and tough they were. So they couldn't have they wouldn't have wars. They would instead have Olympic games. And uh, the space program became sort of like that. But the focus on Mars is a planet where we would probably be most likely to find Earth-like life drove a lot of the uh, exploration of Mars. And then when the um, Viking landers supposedly didn't find life, they basically uh, wrote Mars off. However, uh, the people who said Mars is like the moon, uh, eventually the data showed that they were wrong. Mars was far more Earth-like than anyone had guessed, but in the past, not in the present. Um, so they, instead of canals, they found deep water channels in an old, old ocean bed. And um, instead of um, some big cities, uh, they found other things, let us say, including signs that there was some big nuclear event on Mars after its climate collapsed. Okay, now a nuclear event would not be something that would be done artificially. Well, you try, a scientist always tries to put together the simplest hypothesis that involves the least number of actors. <laughs> William Earth. of Ockham. William of Ockham. And basically his original statement is not the simplest hypothesis because life is complicated, and he knew that. 
he said the least number of actors, the least number of entities, he called them, um, you know, like uh, certain situations come up and you say, Cherchez la femme, <laughs> look for the woman. <laughs> uh, you know, that's not the simplest hypothesis. That's not the simplest hypothesis because it involves something very complex, human beings. But it involves an entity. And it, you can reduce things to the least number of entities. On Earth, for instance, in uranium deposits, in Africa, it's been discovered in the last couple decades that nature itself embarked on its own nuclear power program. These uranium deposits a, bil a billion years ago were basically reactor grade because uranium-235 decays in time with about a billion year half-life. So you had uranium deposits very rich and groundwater would get into them and they would actually start functioning in little areas like nuclear reactors. In fact, they would run so ferociously, they would get hot and drive all the water out, and then the reaction would shut down because the water slowed down the neutrons. If and only we could control them. That's right. Well, nature, they found five different sites where this happened. Now, each of these reaction zones was only about as big as your uh, couch in your living room. They were pretty small, but still they're amazed that none of them blew up. They ran along for millions of years in these cycles of cooling off, having water in them, starting nuclear reactions, getting hot, driving the water out, the reaction shuts down. They also trapped all their nuclear waste, by the way. And people are still marveling that none of the nuclear waste got out of these zones. They imprisoned it in a kind of aluminum clay. So people are actually studying that to see if we can use that. But apparently... The same thing happened on Mars, only it was a much larger zone of reaction, and apparently it went unstable. And as they say in the reactor business, it explosively disassembled, leaving a large radioactive <laughs> scar on Mars in a region called Marasidalium. Uh, and in the book that you have, you see the maps in the color, um, the color plate section. Right. You see there's a uh, region in radioactive potassium and also thorium. Uh, there's, these big, there's this big spot on both maps. And the tendrils from that explosion, like streamers, reach all the way around the planet. And there's another hot spot on almost exactly the opposite side of the planet. The antipode, meaning right. the shockwaves, went all the way around the planet and collided on the far side, depositing a bunch of radioactive debris. This would have been a planetary-wide disaster. The simplest hypothesis, the one involving the least number of actors, is that this was a natural event, a bizarre one, but natural, uh, like the radio, natural radioactive uh, radio um, reactors in uh, Africa. Only this one was larger and uh, exploded, unlike the ones in Africa that maintained a stable cycle. And the riddle of Mars is that when they they noticed that Mars was slightly radioactive on its surface and they thought it was just natural uranium and thorium and things like that that are naturally radioactive, then when they started checking the Mars meteorites, they discovered that the Mars meteorites had less uranium and thorium in them than Earth rocks. 
So what they realized, the surface of Mars was covered with a thin layer of radioactive material as if spread by an explosion because the uh, Martian rocks that we have as meteorites are believed to come from a few meters below the surface. They're not supposed to be surface rocks that tend to just vaporize when the big rock hits. So also they found that the Martian atmosphere has peculiar isotopes in it from argon and xenon that are the product of nuclear reactions. And these are hyperabundant in the Mars atmosphere compared to Earth. I'll tell you what, our sponsors will be hyperabundant if we don't honor them. Absolutely. Dr. <laughs> John Brandenburg is joining us. The book is called Life and Death on Mars, the New Mars Synthesis. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack! Attack! of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. How well and how fast does heart and body extract work to improve blood circulation? Listen. My name is Ellis, and I am 66 years old, and I live in Jacksonville, Florida. Two years ago, I was diagnosed as having clogged arteries. I had 70% blockage in one artery leading to my heart. They wanted me to go on Plavix, but I refused, knowing the negative side effects. Heart and Body Extract is a unique balance, synergy, and proportion of herbs reaching from head to toe at maximum absorption around 95% at the cellular level. Within the first month, I felt a dramatic difference. The heaviness in my legs was reduced, and within two months, I felt completely normal. Your natural organic herbal formula for heart health is Heart and Body Extract. Heart and Body Extract comes with a 100% ironclad money-back guarantee. Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 for Heart and Body Extract. Call 866-295-5305. 866-295-5305 for Heart and Body Extract. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget... CrossbreedHolsters.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future 
future and call 1-800-686-2237. The food storage industry leader has done it again. Introducing FDG clubs and survival bucks from the Freeze-Dry Guy. For over 39 years, the Freeze-Dry Guy has served various government agencies and the private sector with the finest in storable foods and emergency rations. If you've wanted to build emergency food supplies but couldn't afford it, now you can. Go to freezedryguy.com, click on products, and look for the Freeze Dry Guy clubs to pay as you go. Now you can build food storage without going into debt. Choose from a payment range of $95 to $450 per month. Our clubs work with everyone's budget. Plus, when you join Freeze Dry Guy clubs, you'll get additional rewards. For example, this month, get 10% back in survival bucks on all purchases in the Freeze Dry Guy product line, plus free shipping within the lower 48 states on any order amount. Hurry, go to freezedryguy.com or call 866 404 That's freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. The Freeze Dry Guy, the best you can buy. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hello, this is John Burroughs, one of the witnesses to the Rendlesham UFO incident. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We return more on the incredible mysteries of Mars. Nothing paranormal here, strictly scientific. The book from Dr. John Brandenburg coming out in February is called Life and Death on Mars, the New Mars Synthesis. Chris, you want to pick up on this? Yeah. One of the things that I found very fascinating about, it's like a detective story, the way that you put the book together. And what what I really appreciate most about it is you don't have to be grounded uh, in uh, any particular scientific discipline that, that you did a very good job of writing the book for, for someone that's a little up to speed and intelligent, but doesn't need a, a real heavy uh, background in science. And I find that. Uh, thank uh, you. I, uh, yeah, I, that it, was what I was trying to do. Of course. Well, you succeeded. Dave Childress encouraged me to do that. You succeeded. And I, I think that that was a very good approach. Um, one of the things that I find very intriguing is that you have such a background in, in aerospace. And um, as, as we mentioned at the top of the show, in, uh, you're, that you're a plasma physicist. What actually got you interested in this whole, in this whole idea of creating a synthesis on, on, on all the various tendrils of information that science has been able to accrue over, over the years on the Martian uh, mystery? What was? Did you have some sort of eureka moment or, or an instant where you um, knew that this is something you were going to have to get into? Um, I felt it was sort of a mission. Honestly, uh, my eureka moment was when I saw the work of uh, Vince DiPietro and Greg Molinar on, uh, on Cydonia. And, uh, That's what I thought. And, so, well, to me, if you, look at the, if you look at what they found, you obviously, it's the first question you ask is, how long did Mars have an Earth-like environment? It was obvious from the water channels they found that Mars was like Earth in a very distant past. And then you kind of wondered, well, okay, how much, how similar to Earth in Mars past in war conditions, and how long did they last? And the problem in the Mars community is that they are so conservative. Mars is Mars is a very dangerous place for a scientist right now because they it's are, got a lot of baggage. <laughs> it's got a lot of baggage. It, for one thing, as I said, it, 
the culture, the cultural implications of anything on Mars are so strong that if you find life on Mars and survive, <laughs> then you have changed the entire, it's like a second uh, Copernican revolution. Mars yep. is the first Earth-like planet in the universe that we can get to. And if we find life there, especially past advanced life, that means the whole universe is alive. Well, what do you think about the about the the reimaging of of uh, Cydonia and 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 the face on Mars? I mean, what's your 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 official? Oh, we sort of... uh, we we uh, presented a paper at uh, one of the American Geophysical Union meetings, and I discussed this in uh, a Dead Mars, Dying Earth, which was about the idea of Mars being a failed biosphere, comparing that to Earth. That you know we're abusing the Earth's environment. We presented our um, analysis of the new Mars images that, in fact, that it actually confirmed our hypothesis that they were artificial. We found nostrils in the nose of the face, and the um, we found a, a brick collapse zone on the... This is going to be discussed at length in another book to be coming out um, later. <laughs> right now, we're basically gathering more data but we presented this at this conference. One of the guys from JPL showed up. He was this uh, older guy, uh, and he he completely lost it when he saw our our, uh, our presentation. He was started screaming. He threatened Vince DiPietro with his fists. And what? Was, yes. You're kidding me. I am not kidding you. In fact, wow. Vince was mad at me because I I got in between. The guy starts screaming at Vince DiPietro saying, you're calling me, are you calling me a liar? You don't know what you're talking about. And Vince just said, he's a tough Italian. He said, yeah, I do know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, bring it on, dude. <laughs> bring it on. So yeah, this, this is high drama him. in he scientific says, circles. He God, and I, I um, the <laughs> burden of civility stepped in. I stepped, you know, in front of the guy and I said, you know, sir, calm down. This is a scientific meeting, you know, it's not a... Yeah, this is high drama <laughs> for a scientific. We think but of that, scientists as being so conservative, and they can get oh, pretty no, wacky. Oh no, no, you don't. You don't know science the way I. Science, and sometimes involves kind of almost back alley behavior. Some guys win arguments just simply by intimidation. They can hold up the progress of science for years. <laughs> That's what they've been doing. Now. A good job of it too, especially in the UFO field. Oh, well, that's, oh, that's a whole, well, actually, I discussed that in the book a little bit. Um, well, you know what? I'm going to ask you about that then. Uh -oh. Okay, we okay. got the magic UFO word. <laughs> and I'll say this because. You knew it had to come up sometime, John. And I got to warn you in advance, next week. Sure, sure. Ladies and gentlemen, next week, our guest is going to be Stanton Friedman. Stanton Friedman, give him my very best regards. Okay. Okay, special announcement. We just worked this out. Chris hasn't heard this yet, but now he knows what he's doing next week. Stan, <laughs> <laughs> if he's finished John Brandenburg's science fiction novel about the UFO cover-up. Okay, well, speaking about that, okay, you have a science fiction novel that you did about a UFO cover-up. Well, I, I decided the whole too. UFO thing was best to handle in a science fiction scenario. I, I, you know, I, have a, I write science fiction under a pen name. And I clearly – stuff you read in a book that says John Brandenburg, that means I've gone to scientific conferences, presented all the stuff, 
gotten the feedback from other scientists, et cetera. When I write on as Victor Norgard, <laughs> my alternative personality. Your alter ego, like, your secret identity. My alter ego. You put on the uh, mask, Mr. I Hyde. Put on, I put on the mask, and um, yes, then you have uh, beautiful damsels in distress <laughs> who are also UFO abductees and psychic, et cetera. Uh, and uh, I, I wrote a novel called um, Morningstar Past, The Collapse of the UFO Cover-Up. We're actually going to put it out as a trilogy because it, it sh- the, the first publisher put it in too small, of a, too small of a print, so it fit within 700 pages. So we're going to break it up into a fellowship of the ring kind of thing, three pages, three, uh, three uh, sections. Each is a separate novel. A trilogy. So this is for the movie. And, but, <laughs> oh, well, pe- several people have told me it will make a superb movie. And uh, it is a no-holds-barred exploration of the whole UFO thing. Okay, well, you're I looking at the them. UFO field from a fictional standpoint. Well, I, I chose a fictional standpoint because... So... I, I I told um, one of my friends in the UFO field, I said, uh, Don Ecker, I said, Don, the problem with the UFO field is there are no facts. <laughs> there are only reports. You know, we have what look like classif- deep, you know, leaked classified documents. We have people who believe they've been abducted. We have People find their cows mutilated after seeing UFOs out on the range, on and on. But they're, you know, the real facts are only known, apparently, by the government itself. And it does not, it has decided not to be forthcoming about it. You can also understand, um, well, in the novel, the UFO cover-up collapses just like Watergate or Iran Countergate. Um, and it collapses because um, someone inside it uh, decides to leak a bunch of documents to these two women uh, news anchors on like a... Our show is going to collapse if I don't break. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So hang out, John. John Brandenburg joining us. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in The Paracast. Are you ready to order the official Paracast t-shirt? You asked, we answered. We're now taking orders for the official Paracast t-shirt. It comes in white, 100% cotton. The front of it features the same logo that we have on our community forums. On the back it says, separating signal from noise. To order the official Paracast t-shirt, here's all you have to do. Visit our new online store at store.theparacast.com. One more time, that's store.theparacast.com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official 
Paracast t-shirt. Hey neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store store.theparacast.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over five years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $209, and the Berkey guy will include three sport Berkey water bottles and ship everything to you free of charge. That's right, three sport Berkey water bottles and free shipping. An $87 value, yours free. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. You know the Constitution like the back of your hand. You've read books, listened to podcasts, attended lectures, surfed websites, and watched videos. You've made liberty your life's goal. But something seems to be missing. Stickers from LibertyStickers.com Exercise your freedom of speech with the world's most dangerous bumper stickers. That's LibertyStickers.com But wait... There's more. You can buy Liberty Stickers wholesale. Get them for 99 cents each when you put 100 or more in your shopping cart in any combination. Sell them or give them away. They're great for gun shows, flea markets, fairs, outreach, and more. Earn extra money, promote freedom, and spread the word. Need custom stickers, labels, or decals for your organization or business? Liberty Stickers makes them. Go to libertystickers.com to order or call 877-873-9626. Libertystickers.com, the world's most dangerous stickers. Extend your life with Extendovite. After my second heart attack, I knew I needed more help than I had. That's when Extendovite came into my life. Made from garlic, cayenne, and five other herbs, I started to feel better in a very short time. My name's Don Wiskin, and I'm here because of Extendovite. Extendovite gave me more energy than I've had in years. I am the only one in my house right now that's not sick from colds or flus. And I owe that all to Extendivite. My name is Rick, and I'm healthy because of Extendivite. To get your Extendivite, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit the website at heartdrop.com. That's H-E-A-R-T-D-R-O-P dot com. Extend your life with The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. You're in the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. You notice that voice gets weirder and weirder as we progress. The UFO field can be pretty weird. John Brandenburg is joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. 
And as I said earlier, yeah, Stanton Friedman is going to be on next week. And we'll maybe ask him those questions. The man who makes UFO ufology respectable for a scientist to talk about. Okay, that's fair enough. Okay, but now you're coming out here. You have a fiction book about UFOs, a fiction trilogy. About all the cover up. But is there any reality we can find there? Because, you know, one of the things that happens well, in the UFO field is they take something that is a fiction book or meant to be fiction, and they say, no, no, it's really factual. Well, uh, I, I wrote it as a science fiction novel. It is a what-if novel. Uh, what if, uh, for instance, Boswell actually happened? And then if you just take the whole public record of the whole UFO thing, suppose the government knew beyond any shadow of a doubt that we were not alone in the universe, that uh, spacefaring extraterrestrials had come here. And then you ask yourself, why would the government keep that such a closely guarded secret? And you have to kind of connect the dots. The book, the science fiction novel, in a way, I tried to kind of connect the dots of the UFO mystery. Um, for instance, do you know what was stored at Roswell, the well, Army Air Base? Is that a rhetorical question? All of the world's or? nuclear weapons were stored there. At the time, yeah. Yes. All five nuclear weapons that the right. United States possessed were stored at Roswell. And you wonder, okay, if there was a crash at Roswell, well, in fact, part of the one, some plot of the book is these two women, based, they, because of the Greek documents they get, they actually track down people from Roswell that were actually there and knew exactly what happened and take their testimony before the government can react. And, uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's part, uh, uh, risque soap opera and, uh, part, uh, it's part science fiction, uh, because what I'm trying to do, it's based on the idea of mediocrity. Mediocrity is the Foundation of SETI, Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. <laughs> can, I, mediocrity, can, I, can I quote you? <laughs> yes. Well, well mediocrity, sure it's not as, it, 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 it is as funny as you sound, but not for the reason you think. Mediocrity. Well, it's just, un, it's just un, uninspired thinking. I mean, come on, looking, looking for ET with radio waves? I mean, hello. I know. It, well, they have, you know, UFOs fly right over their site. They ignore that. <laughs> They're looking for radio waves, by God. <laughs> and uh, you got to remember, there are radio waves from uh, someplace 20 light years away. That's very safe. Yeah. Somebody snooping around our nuclear weapon stockpile. That's a little scary. Right. They're flying over the SETI complex. The only way they'd pay attention is if they got anally probed. Well, anyway, the principle of mediocrity underlies all SETI research, and it's the idea that we are a normal part of the universe. The human race is not remarkable. It's mediocre. It's average. The Earth is average. The human race, with all of its various 
forms of behavior is average in the universe. And if you believe it or not, if you read the UFO reports, especially the abduction reports, it all makes sense in terms of mediocrity. And mediocrity, by the way, means that if you want to know what intelligent life in the universe looks like and behaves like, turn on the news. <laughs> Everything from North Korea to to uh, our Congress. Well, if I was well, E.T. at this point watching that stuff, I'd say blow the place up. Or you would just well, wait and let them do it themselves. I, I won't, don't want to give away too much of the book, but the women, these two women, of course, you know, there's the hero uh, who's actually part of the UFO cover-up. I won't, don't want to give away too much of the book, but these two women succeed in bringing down the UFO cover-up with the, with the documents they've been supplied. And one of them discovers that she's an abductee in the process, which is very tragic. And, um, but... <laughs> You know, one of them says, he says, well, we thought that people from outer space would be, you know, better, more noble than the human race. And, and she said, imagine our disappointment in <laughs> finding out the truth. The rest of the universe is just as screwed up as this place is. Well, that explains an awful lot. You know, as well, above, so below. It's a... Uh, well, I, anyway, I don't want to give away too much of the novel. But no, they, but I want, they, always want to ask you here... The truth sure. behind the novel. Do you at all believe that some of this stuff that you're talking about in that novel I, is real? I tried to put everything in that novel that I either heard rumored to be true based on my... Um, I spent 50 years in Washington, D.C., and I heard a lot of things. Let me just put it that way. Mm. And uh, talking to... I, I went to a lot of um, UFO meetings. I talked to a lot of abductees about their experience. I talked to some ranchers who had their cattle mutilated and were convinced that, that uh, UFO activity was involved. And I tried to put the whole picture. I tried to connect all the dots. And uh, it ain't pretty. I will, I, I will warn you, this novel is not for the faint hearted. Uh, part of it, the action occurs in a super-secret uh, alien base that is hosted by the U.S. government. But are you did, thinking Where here, did you place that base? <laughs> Let's well, leave right it located? now. Uh, San Luis Valley. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you the really big joke. Oh, no, I really got it. I didn't know, I did not know the San Luis Valley was UFO Central when I wrote the novel. I picked it off a map. Because I thought uh, I I looked at where several UFO bases were supposed to be located, and they were all on the continental divide. And so I just thought, well, let's imagine the biggest one is not on any little map. And uh, so I I picked the San Luis Valley, and I only found out after I finished the rough draft of the book. I thought, well, I better do a little research and make sure I got the scenery right. And imagine my surprise <laughs> at finding out that I placed the UFO base just where UFO Central is located. It's the hottest spot right in North America. The what? 
It's the hottest spot in North America per capita. I spent 13 years investigating there, so I... Oh, I went and visited there recently, and I felt like I went there driving, and it was a little bit, got a little bit like dusk, and I thought I was back in Middle Earth. I expected to see a battalion of orcs blocking the highway any moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, everything else has been reported. Why not orcs? Well, I know. It was, uh, it was a very interesting... Uh, People that are really nice to me, though. I was very, I stopped at one place. Well, you got to read my uh, books on the Valley, the Mysterious Valley. and. Uh, and, that, and did you write the Mysterious Valley? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I wrote a trilogy of books about all the stuff going on there. I, uh, I, I read your article in uh, Adventures Unlimited. Right. Um, fascinating. And, and yeah, that, there's a lot that, of bizarre article, stuff going on there. I thought, I got to go there. You know, if I wrote this, but anyway, that's where the the big UFO base is. Okay, I'm trying to push this here a little bit more detail here. Do you really feel in your heart of hearts that maybe there's more than just a tiny kernel of truth to what you're writing about in this book? Oh yeah, yeah. I uh, I believe. uh, I tried to write a very authentic book about it, as real as I could make it. I wanted it to be a real life. I wanted it to be almost kind of a docudrama. Of course, I extrapolate what happens when the UFO cover-up collapses. Uh, <laughs> but do you think there's a real UFO cover-up? Does such a thing really oh, exist? I'm, I'm convinced of it. Okay. I mean, I, as 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 a scientist, and as just somebody who's been around, I'm I'm quite con- I'm convinced we're not alone in the universe. I know we're not the only people who can travel through space. And her certainly not the only people who can mess things up. We have Dr. John Brandenburg. <laughs> we're not messing it up. <laughs> Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Dr. John Brandenburg joining us, segueing from the book on Mars to the science fiction novels that he has written about exposing the UFO cover-up. Chris O'Brien's right. the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Okay, let's open that can of worms. Okay, there is the a sub, cover-up. What do you? Yes. What do you think the government knows, and when did they know it? 
Answer the well, question. I, in the in the um, in the novel, it's all Roswell is the big key to unlocking everything, and um, you know so things like described in the MD12 uh, documents. Say alleged. Yeah, the alleged. Very MD-12. alleged. Well, hey, Stan investigated it. Stan Friedman. <laughs> Yeah, let's get a nuclear uh, physicist to do our document uh, verification. <laughs> he irradiated the pages. Hey, one thing, Chris, you're going to have the chance on next week's episode to ask. I me. know, I'm going to have some fun. Um, ask yeah. him if he did neutron backscatter analysis of the paper. Just ask him again. Tell, I, him, I, Brandon, I, tell him Victor Norgard asked that question. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> tell him. He may begin cursing if he hears the name. He may not come on the show. After that, he'll just hang up the phone. (laughs) I don't think so. Maybe we'll get Paul to come back as a uh, as a returning uh, guest co-host. Well, actually, the um, the Morningstar Pass novel, the subtitle, it's the collapse of the UFO cover up, and then kind of the the phrase that kind of describes the book. It says, "Absolute secrecy creates absolute power." Yeah, you know what absolute power. I does. like that. That's a yeah. good, uh, good uh, byline for the movie. Yeah, that's yeah. well, that's intended to be kind of a byline for the for a a movie. I just wanted to create that that aura of absolute secrecy, creating absolute power. And um, it was a um, it was difficult to write. Uh, you can check it out on Amazon.com. It got good reviews especially from people in the UFO field. I felt I had done a pretty good job stringing together the, um, the you know, what, well, we'll have what, to, we'll have to get a link up on the uh, Paracast site, uh, for that, uh, link to right. Amazon. Yeah. And, um, the, as I mentioned, I try not to give away too much of the plot. The, the, uh, one of the women, uh, discovers in the process that she's investigating herself because she's a UFO abductee and um, was, uh, you know, is able to recall her encounter, her encounters with one particular group of the uh, extraterrestrials operating here, of which there are several. And, uh, well, uh, it's you know the our our, our government, uh, the the kind of people it's gotten in bed with. In the yeah. Well, just imagine that they continued their choice of friends. Well, I'm not going to give away too much. I, I'll just say that. Okay. Well, how about if we take this? How about if we take this tack? Uh, you mentioned that over the years of being in Washington. I mean, you you did. I think your post uh, your 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 doctoral work at Lawrence Livermore. I mean, you're a guy right. that's been there. You've you've uh, you've rubbed shoulders uh, and worked with uh, some of the top people in various fields uh, having to do right. with with, with aerospace. With really good people. You mentioned that you have heard over the years some scuttlebutt about the UFO subject. Is there anything that you would be uh, able to talk about on this show? Well, all I heard was scuttlebutt. Um, when I um, 
when I attempted to even follow up on some scuttlebutt, uh, I got my hand slapped. Uh, so, um, the, you must realize that if there was a UFO cover up, let's say, let, let's speak hypothetically, uh, it is part of a compartmentalized secret system in the government and is it government uh, solely, or is it aerospace uh, as well? Oh, oh, it would be. It's the government. But when you say the government, you don't. Um, you know, they're you're you're speaking of the realm of the intel agencies and things like that. That's so you're, you're saying the intelligence community, uh, science and yeah, technology. Yeah, we're yes. talking. We're talking. If, let's say, hypothetically, there was a UFO cover-up, it would be managed by elements within the intel community who are used to keeping things secret. And remember, these guys, uh, <laughs> one world war, the guys who set up any UFO cover-up uh, were busy, you know, outfoxing the, uh, the, um, the Nazis and uh, the Japanese Empire. They were pretty tough customers, and then they won the Cold War. So these guys are pros. Yeah, and they brought all their top scientists uh, who have been doing nefarious things uh, that that are horrific to even think about. Oh, they brought them into this oh, country yes. to jumpstart our whole program. Well, Werner uh, von Braun was, uh, you know, he was a commissioned officer in the SS, and people sort of somehow neglected to mention that. And uh, he claimed, of course, he was just a piano player. He didn't know what was going on. The one famous case, though, <laughs> was pretty illuminating, is that one of the guys who helped Von Braun uh, build the Saturn V, which won the moon race for us. The Russian moon rocket blew up three times on the pad. The American uh, Saturn V succeeded every time. Uh, but one of the people who helped uh, Von Braun develop the Saturn V as soon as we landed on the moon, it was about 1975, we made the shocking discovery that this fellow had been involved in running slave labor camps to build V-2s during World War II. And it was a shocking, a shocking thing to find out. 10,000 people plus died building... They, they, they estimate two slave laborers died for every V-2 that was produced. And this guy ran this utterly hideous underground factory, you know, like Moria in uh, Fellowship of the Ring is the best way to describe it. And and somehow they had, the story went that they somehow were ignorant of his background when he was building the Saturn V. But as soon as we landed on the moon, the Apollo program was over, they made this shocking discovery that that's, he had been involved. And they took away his medal and his U.S. citizenship and shipped him back to Germany. Wow. Now, von Braun managed to, um, uh, he, he actually been almost executed by the Gestapo, so they decided that uh, he, was, he was more, <laughs> the, the, the Gestapo arrested him at one point. They said he was more interested in building a rocket to the moon than winning the war. This is World War II. Right. So he, uh, well, what do you think of his? Uh, just, just imagine that the same kind of government attitude would apply to some of our visitors from outer space. So you're convinced that they're extraterrestrial, true off-planet, uh, you know, three-dimensional. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, 
uh, well, I'm convinced we're not alone in the universe, and I'm convinced that uh, there are any other there are other intelligence out there that develops space travel. They could come here. They can come here, or they are coming here. Oh, let's say I don't think that it looks like they are coming here. It's like what? It looks like we're coming here uh, as. One of the, as the heroine uh, says in the novel, she says, not only are we not alone in the universe, we're not even lonely. Oh, boy. Yes. And, and she's the abductee, right? Uh, no, she's not the abductee. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't resist. They're both, they're both on the cover. <laughs> Guess which one's the abductee? <laughs> well, they want to abduct and, uh, the pretty ones, don't they? What's that? The aliens. Oh, yes, that makes you very good. Wait a minute. I thought most abductees were like kind of overweight, middle-aged women that uh, had recently been divorced. Hey, guys, I got to tell you something here. Before we talk about divorcees and abductees, we had Dr. John Brandenburg joining us this week. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in the Paracast. This is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. For 58 years, fate has provided true reports of the strange and unknown. Fate brings you the latest in all aspects of the paranormal, like angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, and much, much more. To receive your complimentary fate magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Gold, it's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-223. For the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As good as gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over five years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey guy offers amazing specials for Berkey water filtration systems. The Berkey light systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey light system today complete with 
with two black Berkey elements for only $209, and the Berkey guy will include three sport Berkey water bottles and ship everything to you free of charge. That's right, three sport Berkey water bottles and free shipping. An $87 value, yours free. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. I'm concerned about food for my family in the event of an emergency, and I know you are too. Are you ready? Don't wait for an emergency to happen. Put a plan together now with quality dehydrated food from Ready Reserve Foods. For nearly 40 years, Ready Reserve Foods has been in continuous operation canning the finest in dehydrated foods. Other companies just broker canned foods. Ready Reserve is the manufacturer controlling quality from start to finish with double enameled cans and nitrogen packing for maximum shelf life. Ready Reserve offers a balanced selection of fruits, vegetables, dairy products, proteins, and grains. Choose from a variety of pre-selected units or order by individual can to customize your own plan. When you purchase from Ready Reserve Foods, you are buying factory direct at wholesale prices. Call today for a free catalog, 1-800-453-2202 or visit readyreservefoods.com. Call 1-800-453-2202. Ready Reserve Foods. Factory direct. Wholesale pricing. On air, online, and on demand, we are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out on iTunes. We have Dr. John Brandenburg. We've segued from Mars to UFOs cover-up in fiction and in fact and abductees. Are they really middle-aged, overweight, divorcees? Or not? Well, I've talked to some very uh, lonely women who thought they were abducted. <laughs> that was a bad well, joke. When, I apologize. Well, when, I apologize to all the good-looking uh, women abductees out there. That's well, Chris O'Brien, by the way, our co-host for the Paracast. It's his fault. It's always his fault. <laughs> it's always his fault. Well, uh, one uh, one woman I talked to uh, was, you know, she was married, and she was very attractive, and um, she's also very religious, and... I talked to her, you know, I had lunch with her, and, and she was talking about what had happened to her, and uh, she made this discovery that this had been going on, and and I, she said, it has really taken a lot out of me. For one thing, she said, the church I belong to kind of said I was demon-possessed and kind of kicked me out, because uh, they didn't want me talking about it, and wow. I said, well, I said, you know, I said to her, I said, well, gee, you don't look like you've been through anything terrible. You look you look really nice. <laughs> and she had uh, long black hair. She kind of looked like you know, Vira, uh, Mistress of Darkness or something. And she said, well, uh, my hair is actually white. She says, I dyed black. And she equates the uh, the, the lack of pigment in the hair uh, to her abduction experiences? Or? Well, you know, the, the trauma of of reliving what had happened to her during her abductions. And yeah. basically I, I know somebody whose hair turned white uh, virtually within a week after a, 
a near-death experience after a fatal car accident where she woke up in the morgue, literally. And, and yeah. I do want to apologize to our listeners. I wasn't making light of, of the seriousness of the abduction phenomenon. This is a real phenomenon. People are impacted. I mean, some, some people are scarred for life. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and this is a serious subject. And, and when I make light of it, I do so in the spirit of, of, of fun, if you could say that, because we do have a lot of people that are delusional that feel that they've also had uh, life-altering oh, yeah. experiences. And, 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 and those are the ones that I was referring to when I, when I was talking about maybe middle-aged women that needed a life. And, and, and I, I didn't mean any disrespect to, to the real oh. The real victims of this particular phenomenon, and it is a real phenomenon. And I'll be the first to admit that, uh, and I think Gene will too. I'll go uh, for that. I yeah, think something people... strange is happening, but we don't know what's really going on. But exactly. what do you think is going on? You're the guest, John. Well, I don't exactly know. Um, enough people say this has happened to them. You know, I've talked to Bud Hopkins, I've read his books, and I've talked to other people who worked. Uh, uh, there was one uh, very superb psychiatrist who discovered that some of his patients were reporting the same kind of lurid dreams and I can't remember his name. He was then killed mysteriously in Britain. Uh, John Mack. John Mack, yeah. I mean, um, they tried to take away his tenure at uh, Harvard. Here's a Harvard psychology uh, Well, he pulled a surprise winner. And, uh, yeah, they uh, they tried to get him uh, off campus, and he, of course, took him to court and sued, and, and they had to uh, uh, withdraw. So he, and then it was such a tragedy, he got killed. Uh, but, uh, you know, other work by, like, uh, LeBeau, I think these people were very solid. I'm not a psychiatrist. All I do is I talk to several people who felt this had happened to them. And, uh, you know, being a scientist, I I have to be able to learn when people are telling the truth and when they're not. I mean, we're, you know, that's the field we're in. Occasionally people make up stuff in science. Um, and uh, I, the people that I had talked to, that I actually spent time talking to, there were a few people I thought, well, this person, um, I don't know what's wrong with them. But uh, they're they've obviously been terribly traumatized by something. Who knows what it is? But there were a few people I I actually spent time talking to, and who convinced me that they that they were absolutely convinced that this had happened to them, and um, that helped me write the novel uh, about it. Well, what do you think the agenda uh, is? If these if these experiences are real, why are spacefaring uh, uh, entities from 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 out there in the cosmos, coming here and conducting medieval uh, quality experiments uh, ah, uh, with a fixation a on really uh, genetics and ova. That's a very good question. I attempt to answer that in the novel. That I really, can't. I can't wait to read it. This is definitely on my must that really, uh, read in list. Fact, <laughs> that 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 fact that people kind of figure out what the agenda is really brings down the UFO cover-up. It can't... Interesting. It okay, you just gave our, gave our potential, you gave our potential uh, readers a little clue there. Yeah, it cannot survive that revelation, basically. Um, so well, let uh, me ask you a really specific question here, though. How sure. widespread do you think abductions are? I mean, if you believe some of these people who are abduction researchers, 
hundreds of thousands or millions of people have been abducted, which seems kind of outrageous to me. What do you think? Well, uh, well, I, I think it's a very difficult phenomenon to try and get good statistics. I, I don't. Um, it seems, it, it seems as if it is a widespread phenomenon, but I don't believe some of the upper numbers. But let me tell you something that ha- they found out happened during the Cold War. Just to give you an example of uh, some things that some large organizations do, they found out the Russians were trying to monitor all of the long-distance phone traffic in the United States because it was being carried by microwaves. They found out the Russians had kind of dragooned every English-speaking person they could find and had them listening to long-distance phone conversations and trying to develop dossiers on every American and can you imagine the amount of effort that they put into that? And then the, when, as soon as they, the uh, intel agencies found out this is what the Russians were doing, they immediately scrambled the uh, microwave signals. <laughs> Couldn't do it anymore. But apparently they spent uh, probably a million man hours wow. <laughs> dutifully trying to do Well, uh, I'm just giving you an example of the lengths that some organizations will do. Those are earthly organizations. And uh, the other, my other favorite was that when they, when the Cold War ended and the, the Russian the Iron Curtain collapsed, they found whole warehouses full of new German money that the, the Russians were going to distribute in West Germany once they'd conquered it. <laughs> they'd printed up tons and tons of paper money you know, for the new, the new order. <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't invest in Iraqi dinars. <laughs> That's right. You know, uh, but anyway, um, uh, but, but anyway, um, I tried to just connect the dots as best I could. I'll and, tell you what, uh, we have dots to connect two more segments of dot connection. Sure. Sure. We have Dr. John Brandenburg, our co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at webtv.net find out what they don't want you to know there are many types of storable foods but how about a superfood that contains every nutrient that the human body needs for survival 50% protein 
300 milligrams of potassium per ounce and calcium and magnesium for your heart and bones with many more nutrients found in this incredible food source that the government does not want you to have. This product is available in powder, seeds, and oil and is shipped free to your door in the U.S. This product is illegal to grow in the U.S., but is legal to import. Don't waste time thinking about storing food. Plan ahead and prepare for yourself and your family now and be in control of your destiny. You can save and invest your money, but in the end, food will be your greatest asset. Remember what the Word of God says in Ezekiel 7.19. Call 908-691-2608 and see what the powder, seeds, and oil can do for you. Remember, food will be your greatest asset. Call 908-691-2608. This product does not contain THC. Call 908-691-2608 today. You know the Constitution like the back of your hand. You've read books. Listen to podcasts, attended lectures, surfed websites, and watched videos. You've made liberty your life's goal, but something seems to be missing. Stickers from LibertyStickers.com. Exercise your freedom of speech with the world's most dangerous bumper stickers. That's LibertyStickers.com. But wait. There's more. You can buy Liberty Stickers wholesale. Get them for 99 cents each when you put 100 or more in your shopping cart in any combination. Sell them or give them away. They're great for gun shows, flea markets, fairs, outreach, and more. Earn extra money, promote freedom, and spread the word. Need custom stickers, labels, or decals for your organization or business? Liberty Stickers makes them. Go to libertystickers.com to order or call 877-873-9626. Libertystickers.com, the world's most dangerous stickers. Hello, at ofthefield.com, we strive to empower you with wild food preparedness. We get lots of amazing positive feedback, most of which we feature on ofthefield.com. Here's a small sample of all that people like you have to say about the wild food experience. I have about 15 wild food guides on my bookshelf, which left me wondering if I even needed another book. Boy, was I wrong. My knowledge exploded to an entire universe of wild foods. In olden days, it was the norm to know which plants are edible and which are not. Dear Linda, just wanted to let you know I received your book today. Wow. I watched the DVD last night. I was awestruck. What wonderful work you have done. This information can bless many people. Thank you again. Again. Thanks again. Your book has given me the most hope and inspiration. Thank you. Folks, thanks for letting us help you get back to basics. Read all of the testimonials at ofthefield.com. You can order online for you and your loved ones or call 1-888-51-EAT-FREE to share in the secret. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We're back. Dr. John Brandenburg is here. He has a book coming out soon called Life and Death on Mars, the New Mars Synthesis. We have segued to UFOs. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. So, Chris, why'd you pick up on what we're doing so far with this surprising turn for this interview. 
<laughs> I'll say I, I'm enjoying it thoroughly. This is great having you on, John. Uh, it's, we should have oh, had well, you on I, soon. I, I think. You guys are great. It's really great being on your show. And, uh, this is this is really uh, quite. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to give you guys the straightest answers I can. You're, you're doing a great uh, job, and uh, you're you're very um, you're very careful on how you say things, which I, I appreciate, and and you're very circumspect about it. And and this is this is good. This is a good thing well, in a. In just, a yeah, go ahead. Publicly reported things. There's a lot of ground you can cover just based on the public record. You know, like in 19, uh, I think it was 1954. I mean, you had. I was living in Washington D.C. and I imagine what it must have been like to have UFOs flying over the U.S. Capitol every night, pursued by the jet, best jet fighters we had at the time, and. Um, you know, the Air Force saying every day in press conferences, uh, there's just, there's nothing to it. There's just, there's, you know, thermal inversions or something like this. Right. And, false and, false and returns. <laughs> false returns and then having jet fight, you know, people watching in broad daylight, jet fighters chasing these things. Then the um, uh, Air Force made a strange announcement that said, uh, any unknown aircraft over the airspace of the Capitol will be fired upon. <laughs> yeah. And, Watch uh, out, you temp- temperature inversions. Be careful. You're going to fire, start firing on these temperature inversions. <laughs> and uh, and the story is that they actually did. Um, uh-huh. And that's what ended the overflight. <laughs> yeah, well, they just got, started over- sometimes you've got to chase one- that dog out of the yard, you know. Here's a question for you. Now, you're you're a scientist. You're, you're someone who I, I think I, w- I would really enjoy uh, networking with a little bit, picking your brain. Getting some sure. ideas. We mentioned the San Luis Valley before, and I'm getting, uh, I'm putting in a seven uh, camera high res uh, surveillance net, uh, 24/7, uh, around the San Luis Valley, and uh, it would be great oh. to have some help designing uh, some optical physics experiments that we could uh, use in conjunction with a, a uh, you know, an optical well, I would, process. I, for one thing, I would uh, see if you can get infrared as well as visible. Oh, yeah, of course. Even yeah. ultraviolet uh, sensitive cameras, uh, because the, usually when people try to suppress uh, using technological means, they try to suppress their image in one part of the spectrum. Uh, sometimes they make themselves more clearly visible in other parts. You know, right? Like they're they're let's say somebody figured out how to camouflage themselves. In the visible, like they, you know, the British, you know, hid that tank in plain sight. Right. Yeah, the British figured out how to put kind of camouflage on tanks so they could make, they had a tank that half disappeared, was driving around, and then half of it disappeared. I mean, it was in the distance, so people couldn't get a close look at it. But, but if, suppose you have something like that, but then you're looking at it in uh, infrared, it actually gets brighter. <laughs> Cause right, exactly. Be, or even ultraviolet or, or, or radar. It makes it more bright in the infrared, yeah. Yeah, or, or radar. Um, you know, or radar. Which is part, part of the, uh, the idea. What would you, uh, how would you advise um, a team of civilian hard data uh, investigators out in, in the field in a hotspot area with a, a really good likelihood and chance that they're going to be able to capture some hard data? What, what sort of uh, advice would you have uh, for for? Well, I would I would try and get as much different data channels as you could get, you know, visible light. See if you could get infrared cameras. I've got some very good infrared cameras now. 
They do. They're pretty cheap. And, uh, you know, and the military developed them, and now they're commercially available. And then also uh, things like magnetometers, um, you know, sensitive magnetometers. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they're, they're actually coming up with uh, gravitometers now that are solid. Are you familiar with the work of Ray Stanford? Uh, yes. Yes, I actually had, uh, had some nice interchange with Ray Stanford many years ago. Yeah, he's still at it, believe it or not. He's the only civilian, to my knowledge, that's been able to get gravitometer and magnetometer data along with Oh, he with, showed uh, me some data. great data. Great data. What did you think of that the data? The electromagnetic you... signal and the gravitometer signal were coincident. You know, the, the, the UFO decided to take off, and so he had a big spike in um, big you know, electromagnetic pulse associated with the, the UFO taking off, uh, you know, leaving the scene at high speed. So, so you feel that that was real, that was real scientific viable data then, uh, the way it was presented to you? Yeah, I mean, it was informally presented to me and he right. showed me some of his stuff and I, I was quite impressed. And, uh, and uh, I, I do research, I'm a plasma physicist, so I deal with electromagnetic fields and gravity is part of astrophysics, and right. uh, so it's quite natural. I would try and uh, I would assume the same thing Einstein did that the two fields can be unified. I, I strongly believe that. And um, how close are we are to, are are we to a unified field? Are we close to unifying some of these? Oh, we've well, made uh, great progress. Um, Einstein's, um, you know, my my conviction now is that Einstein was right. They can be unified. Unfortunately, Einstein didn't like quantum mechanics. So the people who made the most progress were Sakharov, the Russian scientist. Uh, also, Hal Putoff in this country. You've heard of him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he... Uh, it's funny. Uh, we all get... The people like, you know, Hal Putoff and I, who end up on the frontiers of human science, we all end up... <laughs> confronting the UFO problem and Mars and things like that. Stuff that doesn't quite fit. What? The stuff that doesn't quite fit. The stuff that doesn't quite fit, but the really uh, fascinating thing was that Einstein tried, you know, the last 30 years of his life to unify the fields. That's where, in fact, we get the term unified field theory from him. And um, it started out being a quite respectable thing to do, but Einstein... Because he was such a he was such a rebel, he even ultimately rebelled against his own the physics community he was part of. He didn't like quantum mechanics. He rejected it and basically tried to unify the field without quantum mechanics. And it looks like it was essential. The person who made the most progress uh, recently was uh, Sakharov, Andrei Sakharov, who was the uh, uh, guy who invented the Russian hydrogen bomb. And uh, so he basically took quantum mechanical principles and was able to make some progress unifying EM and gravity. And um, it's, a, uh, it's just a fascinating field. I could spend another two hours talking about just it. But yeah, easily. It's particularly relevant because of the UFO question because many of the things people report, it looks like the craft have very strong electromagnetic fields around them. In fact, um, they seem to be uh, 
um, induction fields that are rotating. Several people I talked to saw that, uh, you know, in the southwest uh, bushes beneath the saucer would swirl as if there was a big wind, but there was no wind. And um, it's, um, it's just a very intriguing puzzle as a physicist to speculate um, how such a craft would actually be propelled and, of course, what would power it. Uh, but we have, um, you know, I worked on fusion energy. It is technically feasible to conceive, you know, you could conceive of a co very compact fusion power plant that wouldn't emit any radiation. Uh, it would be very clean and produce all this power. And that's the 21st that century the science. We don't know, John, what they might be yeah. doing if they're several thousand years more advanced than we are. Dr. John Brandenburg joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You're in the Paracast. Are you ready to order the official Paracast t-shirt? You asked, we answered. We're now taking orders for the official Paracast t-shirt. It comes in white, 100% cotton. The front of it features the same logo that we have on our community forums. On the back it says, separating signal from noise. To order the official Paracast t-shirt, here's all you have to do. Visit our new online store at store.theparacast.com. One more time, that's store.theparacast.com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t-shirt. Hey, neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store.theparacast.com. Before you throw away your used batteries, you need to listen to this. Now, going green can save money. Go green and save money by giving life to your used batteries by charging them with the Renaissance Charger. The Renaissance Charger uses a new revolutionary battery charging technology that effectively extends the life of new batteries and gives new life to used batteries. Invented by legendary audio genius John Bedini, this unique and patented charging system rejuvenates the electrochemical plate structure in the battery without additives, increasing capacity and maintaining cell integrity. Renaissance Charge offers a full line of products made in the USA for all types and sizes of batteries. Find out why our customers tell us the Renaissance Charger is the only battery charger they will ever use. Save your money. Save the environment. Visit us online at r-charge.com. That's r-charge.com. Or call us at 208-772-4514. That's 208-772-4514. Be a part of the revolution today. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at crossbreedholsters.com. Don't forget... 
crossbreedholsters.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Did you know that you can be tracked and traced when you're online? With identity theft and cybercrimes on the rise, your passwords, your identity, and even your physical location can be revealed to complete strangers. Would you like to surf the Internet anonymously and not have to worry about these threats? Well, now you can by visiting PatriotInternet.com. For about $2 per month, PatriotInternet.com will conceal your IP address and your physical location, allowing you to browse the web, send emails, and instant message anonymously. PatriotInternet.com will bypass filters, block sites, and keyword blocking. You can also bypass logging by your router and your ISP. With PatriotInternet.com, there is no software to install and uses 128-bit encryption for your protection. When using wireless hotspots, PatriotInternet.com shields your information from identity thieves and is compatible with Windows, Mac, and Linux. Protect your identity and your freedom with anonymous Internet access from PatriotInternet.com. Visit PatriotInternet.com today. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're in the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. Don't forget, neighbors, if you have a comment or a question about the PowerCast, write us news at thepowercast.com. That's news at thepowercast.com. We have Dr. John Brandenburg, the final segment of this week's episode of the PowerCast. Our co host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. And announcing once again, we'll have Stanton T. Friedman returning to the PowerCast after a long absence. On next week's show, Chris has 10,000 questions to ask him. And maybe Dr. Brandenburg will give us a few. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Any ideas for questions for, uh, for Stan? Well, we could ask him what he thought of Morningstar Pass. I, I gave him a copy. But uh, he, he said, John, this is a very <laughs> thick book. Al Putoff read it, by the way. Really? And he really liked it. He really All liked right. it. He said it was War and Peace. Now, Al Putoff is, has, has a Russian heritage. So I consider that a great... A great compliment. And in fact, now you understand why we're breaking it up in the trilogy because it's, it, it's actually, it's in three sections in the novel. But if we break it up in the trilogy, at least the print will be bigger and people won't be so intimidated by it. I actually, uh, two, two guys who read it said this is War and Peace. You know, like <laughs> a great novel like that. Ufology is War and Peace. I love it. <laughs> yeah, Ufology is War and, the, the, they called it the War and Peace of UFO Fiction. And and so so I actually broke down and I read War and Peace and I was very pleased <laughs> that people would say that because War and Peace was truly a great novel. And uh, oh, what's what's interesting? Uh, this, I'll share you one little bit of scuttlebutt I heard that was really funny about the UFO cover-up. What was the Russian side of the UFO cover-up? <laughs> and during the Cold War, apparently the Russians' attitude about UFOs was that anything. 
any unidentified flying object over the Soviet Union is probably American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. I knew that was coming. <laughs> so they would just scramble all the MiGs they could. And the you know, Russian fighter pilots, very brave, very, a lot of these guys are World War II veterans at that point. And just, they lost a lot of MiGs, apparently. And, but they finally succeeded in bringing down uh, a saucer and they opened it up. <laughs> the Amerikinsky. <laughs> They're not Americans. <laughs> No, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you saying that that's, uh, you're not saying that you heard that that happened? I heard that that happened, yeah. Oh, you did? Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Now, Paracast listeners, take note. Uh, the Russians brought down, uh, do you have uh, an approximate time frame on this? Oh, it was, it was in the 50s, I guess. And, uh, yeah, they weren't quite surprised. They were not Americans inside of this thing, and, um, they had their, you know, they they they, they bundled it off to site fifty one ski. And this <laughs> and, is serious, and, uh, though. We're talking about the real thing here now. Yeah, yeah. I just clarify. I just think I got him to clarify that. Sure. So, it, oh yeah, the Russia. There's a whole different side of the uh, the whole UFO question, and that is the Russian side. <laughs> Russians have a different attitude about these things. The Americans did. Um, well, in the paranormal in general. I mean, look at their psychic uh, psyops programs and. And, you know, going into yeah. microwave, uh, the woodpecker uh, uh, signal. And, oh, yeah. And other, oh. They were light years ahead of us. That's why we had to get uh, up to speed with Stubblebine's prog- uh, programs and, and others in the uh, 70s. But uh, so, so you really feel the Russians have are sitting on quite a body of information. Do you ever see any sort of disclosure process possibly coming from uh, the well, Russian side they, of the equation? Uh, the, you know, the, the guy who's running Russia now is former KGB agent. <laughs> And the Russians have a much different heritage. In fact, in in the novel I wrote, I have a lot of a lot of the action takes place in Russia, partly because of the background of one of the uh, women involved. And um, it's let's just say the Russians have a great conspiratorial heritage. Uh, they look on national secrecy, national defense secrets, kind of much more seriously than we do. Let me put it this way. There was a Russian former KGB agent who was talking sort of like in WikiLeaks kind of mode in in uh, Britain, and uh, they apparently told asked him politely to keep his mouth shut, and uh, then suddenly he came down with a very acute case of polonium 210 poisoning. Yeah, and he and, didn't last very long. No, he didn't. Uh, people said, "Gee, how did he manage to get?" Poisoned by polonium 210, only a government like the United States or the Russians could actually produce that much polonium 210 in a nuclear reactor or give it to somebody. And um, the Russians just said, Well, isn't that peculiar? We told him to be quiet. Yeah, that's pretty harrowing <laughs> video quiet. of him. It was pretty so uh, he, harrowing video. You, I'm sure you've seen the video of his. Uh, oh, well, his it was, of course, horrific, but. Um, being as he was formerly KGB, he, he, you know, he'd been warned to be quiet. Now, now, let me just put it this way. Um, so let's say there was a Russian, the Russians were aware of the whole UFO fight. If you read, um, uh, who's, which, uh, Corso, Philip Corso, the book? Yeah, yeah. The he day after really Roswell. The day after Roswell. And, Bill Burns, uh, and he was uh, he was a fascinating character, and you know he 
he called a stenographer. People questioned his veracity, and he called a um, stenographer to his bedside and swore out a statement saying that, you know, to the best of his recollection, everything he put in that book was true. And um, But what was fascinating about uh, Corso's uh, book was he said that during the Cold War, one of the reasons we kept such absurdly huge stockpiles of nuclear weapons on both sides was to deter uh, not just each other from a nuclear war, but an extraterrestrial invasion. As if E.T. would care. (laughs) What's that? Would E.T. even care about our nuclear weapons? I mean, really? Well, if they were... Would somebody from outer space care about nuclear weapons? Well, Well, I'm thinking if they're, you know, 10,000 years more advanced than we are... They have weapons far beyond those of anything that we can conceive. Hey, we are almost out of time, John. We're almost out of time. Well, these kinds of questions are actually, I tried to address them as best I could in the novel in a scientifically uh, verifiable fashion. But, you know, all you end up with is big questions. Big questions. More questions than answers. I'll tell you what, we have two minutes left. John, we have two minutes left. Tell our listeners about the new book, Life and Death on Mars, The New Mars Synthesis. Life and Death on Mars, The New Mars Synthesis. I've tried to put together the whole story of Mars based on the latest Mars science and my own role in it. And a new discovery that apparently after the fall of Mars, when Mars climate changed from being Earth-like to uh, what it is now because of the asteroid impact apparently, then there was Mars was racked by a very mysterious and massive nuclear explosion. And we think we can explain it naturally, but that's it does, well, it's very mysterious, very peculiar. It should be investigated further. And that's right where I'm at in the book. I can't wait to finish it tonight. All right. Well, it's been great, you guys. Hey, do you have a website we can check out? Uh, I let my website expire. It's, uh, so unfortunately the best place to do it is just, uh, you know, amazon.com and the, uh, just look up under the books, uh, you know, Morningstar Pass, Collapse of UFO Cover-Ups on amazon.com. Uh, so it was the prequel to it, by the way, uh, Asteroid 20-2012 Sepulveda. <laughs> Part one of the trilogy. Famous. Why would somebody in the government approach them? Well, because of this asteroid thing they were involved in. And, Gotta watch uh, out anyway. about them asteroids. They can be well, really well, mighty you, dangerous. If this, if this, if my synthesis is true about the collapse of Mars climate, then you better pay careful attention to asteroids yeah. because they may be the uh, biggest danger to intelligent life like us there is in the universe. Hey, Chris O'Brien, tell us where we can find more of the stuff you do. Live uh, website? Oh, just uh, look on the net under Brandenburg, gem theory, uh, gravity, electromagnetism. Yeah, we got to let Chris uh, wrap it up. We're wrapping it up. The Our Strange Planet is my website, ourstrangeplanet.com. It is a strange planet. Come there and visit and keep up to speed on what's going on in the San Luis Valley. And uh, I want to thank Dr. Brandenburg. This is, uh, the time has just flown by. we got to have you back. Uh, I it's think we're just scratching the surface. Uh, I really Absolutely. appreciate you coming out and being able to talk about this stuff uh, with us, and uh, and much luck and success on the new book. Dr. John Brandenburg, thanks for joining us on the Paracast. Great. 
Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast.